You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Jeroboam's attention. He's still trying to get his attention. See, this is how long-suffering our God is. This is how wonderful he is. Even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our times when we're away from him, he's still trying to get our attention to come back to him. He still is going to do things in our lives. He's going to set circumstances up that hopefully will draw us back to him. That's what he's going to do in Jeroboam's life. But Jeroboam is going to disregard these warnings. God is so patient with His children. Instead of wiping everyone out for their sin, God often does things to alert you and get your attention to draw you back to Himself. Today, Pastor Dave will challenge you to examine circumstances in your life to see if God is trying to get your attention to bring you back. Don't disregard these moments. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 13 as he begins his message, Disregarding the Warnings of God. interesting chapter, (laughs) a really interesting chapter, and one we could probably gloss over, but you know me better than that. I can't gloss over any chapter, and I want to glean from this some very important things that the Lord wants to show us. So I hope we have a good time. We're going to get through the whole chapter, I hope, and um, we'll see what the Lord wants. So let's bow our hearts in prayer. Gracious and most heavenly Father, we just thank you. We are delighted, Lord, that you continue to love us. We're delighted, Lord, that now we can study your word. We can open up and we can read it and we can glean from it those things which you would speak to us about, speak to our hearts about, Father God. Pray, Lord, that our hearts are open to receive anything you might want to speak to us, anything you might want to do in them. Thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given us in your word, Lord. We're excited to be in these chapters, even though it's Old Testament. And Lord, we know that there's nuggets in here that, that are going to touch our hearts. So, Lord, thank you for these saints that you've brought here. Bless them abundantly as we go through these words line by line, verse upon verse. And, Lord, as always, may you be glorified in everything we do here in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're coming into chapter 13, and it's a rather long account. There's 34 verses here. It's about a young prophet and an old prophet. But if you look closer to the Scriptures, if you dig closer into the scriptures, you're going to find out that it's really not about these prophets at all. Although they seem to be the main characters and they seem to be the main ones who are doing all the things that are happening. But it's all about God's plan. It's all about God's word. And in this chapter is about the sins of Jeroboam and his disregard for the warnings of God. Jeroboam has now become king of the northern nation of Israel. Remember, Judah is in the southern nation, and the king there is still Rehoboam. But Jeroboam is in the northern kingdom, and he is reigning. He was given a promise, if you remember, back in chapter 11. He was given a promise through the prophet Ahijah. 
And because of Solomon's sin, remember what Solomon did, collected horses, he collected chariots, he collected silver and gold, and worsely, he collected wives, and these wives turned his heart away from the Lord, and he started going after idols. And because of his sin, Abijah the prophet told Jeroboam that the Lord was going to rip the nation in two. He was going to send 10 tribes with Jeroboam and leave two tribes with Rehoboam. He was going to split the nation because of this sin of Solomon. He wasn't going to do it in Solomon's time, but he was going to do it in his son's time, which is Rehoboam. You can find that in chapter 11, verses 28 through 36. Jeroboam had a heart's desire to serve the Lord. In fact, when we first see him, he's an honorable guy. He's a, he's a great guy. And Solomon recognizes this and basically gives him a ministry. And, and he's really wanting to serve the Lord. And he wants God to give him his deepest wishes. But he does. God gives him his heart's desires. And you know, if you seek the Lord, he will give you your heart's desire. So Solomon, I mean, excuse me, Jeroboam was seeking the Lord at one time. But his promise came with a condition. It came with a condition. So if you would go back to 11 and look in verses 38 and 39, the prophet is talking to Jeroboam about this whole situation. In verse 38, he says, Then it shall be, if you, Jeroboam, heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and give Israel to you. And I will afflict the descendants of David because of this, but not forever. So this promise that Jeroboam now has that he's going to become king of this northern nation comes with a condition. This prophecy came to pass as we studied chapter 12. The new king, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, went to the elders of the church and asked for counsel, and they told him that he needed to ease up on the taxes ease up on the taxes because the people were overburdened with taxes and he needed to ease up on them and he would have the people on his side. He didn't like that counsel. So he went to his buds, he went to his friends and they basically told him, nah, get hard with the people. Tax them even harder. Do a terrible thing. And when this came out, the prophecy came true. The 10 tribes took off. They had it. They went to their tents. They went north. And only Judah and the tiny tribe of Benjamin, which is right inside of Judah, stayed with Rehoboam. So this prophecy is being fulfilled. But we also read last week that Jeroboam went from being a good guy to an evil guy. He did evil inside of the Lord. He started making idols, two golden calves. And he set them up. He set one up in Bethel and one up in Dan, which is far, far north on the border of uh, Jerusalem and Lebanon right now, but way north in Dan. He set these idols up. He told the people to go worship at Bethel and Dan instead of going to worship to Jerusalem. Now remember, one thing I want to make clear is that Israel and Judah are still Jews. They're still Israelis, supposedly. They're still God's chosen people. But now they're separated into two different kingdoms. And this is going to be a plague upon the nation for years to come. But Jeroboam did evil. He even made himself a priest 
which is directly against God's law in Deuteronomy. He made himself a priest, and he was going directly against God's law. He began to offer the sacrifices. He began to burn incense before the Lord. And the law of Moses strictly forbade this, strictly forbade this. So Jeroboam was doing evil in the sight of God. And in the chapter we're now at, God is still trying to get Jeroboam's attention. He's still trying to get his attention. See, this is how long-suffering our God is. This is how wonderful he is. Even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our times when we're away from him, he's still trying to get our attention to come back to him. He still is going to do things in our lives. He's going to set circumstances up that hopefully will draw us back to him. That's what he's going to do in Jeroboam's life. But Jeroboam is going to disregard these warnings. Jeroboam is going to keep on being Jeroboam. He's going to keep on doing the things that he's always done, and he's going to disregard these, these warnings that God sent him. So the first thing God does is he sends an unnamed man of God. He sends an unnamed man of God. There's been a lot of speculation on who this person is. The Bible doesn't name him, so we won't. He's an unnamed man of God. Let's look at verses 1, and, 1 to 3 in chapter 13. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then he cried out against the altar of the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priest of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bone shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign that same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So he makes this prophecy against Jeroboam and all these idols that Jeroboam has set up. The unknown prophet goes from Judah to Bethel, and he comes in there, and there is Jeroboam offering incest. He's basically doing the job of a priest. He's not supposed to offer incense. God had specifically divided the king and the priest and everything like that. There's only one person who is capable of being a priest, a high priest, and burn incense, and a king. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who takes that up. You can read about that in the book of Hebrews. So Bethel seemed to be his favorite place where he would go and worship. He even ordained a feast there. He installed priests, and he offered sacrifices. You know, it's pretty interesting. Here Jeroboam is, who was raised a Jew. He's setting up his own religion. And what's cool about that is when you set up your own religion, you can basically do anything you want to do. You can make the rules. You can make up the rules all you want. So here we have Jeroboam. It may have pleased Jeroboam to have all these things going on, but it did not please God. It did not please God. In fact, Amos, in Amos 7.13, calls this place of Jeroboam the king's sanctuary because he would go there all the time. So this unnamed man of God comes and basically speaks against the altar in front of Jeroboam. It's almost as if God did not want to talk to Jeroboam. So he talks to the altar, and God is speaking against the altar. Why? Well, one reason is that Jeroboam was so full of himself. 
He was so full of pride. He, he wanted his plans. He wanted his ideas. He wanted to go forward. At no time do we see him coming near God at this point. And it's interesting, when he does come near God or cries out to God, something bad happened to him to make him do that. We need to be careful when we, whose plans we follow. There seems a way that's right to a man, but that way leads to death. We need to be careful as whose plans we're following. We need to make sure that we're following God's plans. God had a specific plan for Jeroboam, and he laid it out, and he told him what he wanted to do. All Jeroboam had to do was follow that plan. All he had to do was seek the Lord, sit before the Lord, allow the Lord to lead and guide him, and he would have been fine. In fact, the, the prophecy said he would be set up with a kingdom. God had great plans for him if he would do that. It's interesting here that the prophet's message looked ahead some 300 years. The prophet's message looked ahead some 300 years to the reign of a very godly king by the name of Josiah. Just what he prophesied. And he would come, he would root out, and he would destroy the high places. He would desecrate the altar by burning human bones on it and tear it down, and all the ashes would spill out. We'll get to that someday in 2 Kings 23. That's when that happened there. So this guy makes this prophecy against the altar and against Jeroboam. Let's look at 4 through 6. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so he could not pull it back to himself. The altar was also split apart and the ashes put out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for him that my hand may be restored. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. This is amazing. Jeroboam didn't want to hear from this guy. He didn't want to hear from this man of God, so he doesn't pay any attention to him. And this is a big mistake. This is a huge mistake. In fact, the message made the king so mad that he wanted the guy arrested. You know, the first thing I thought is, hey, buddy, don't kill the messenger. You know, listen to the messenger and let the messenger speak. And he points him and says, arrest him. And immediately his hand is all withered to where he can't bring it back. Many think that he had a stroke. That's what they're, they're saying. But it was a withered hand. God withered his hand. And there's always a danger when you come against the word of the Lord. There's always a danger when you have a better plan than the Lord and you come against the word of the Lord. At the same time, the altar splits in two, ashes poured out, just as the man of God prophesied. Now, this is one of the first signs. This is basically a miracle. So right away, Jeroboam should be quaking in his shoes because he sees this thing from the Lord, directly from the Lord. It happened just as the man of God said. So, he disregards that. Arrest him, he says. His hands withered. The withered hand got Jeroboam's attention for a time. What do you think about Jeroboam's request? There's something in Jeroboam's request in verse 6 that caught my eye. And it tells you a lot about Jeroboam. It's one word. Can anyone tell me what that word is? He said, please entreat the favor of the Lord your God. 
That bothered me. That bothered me. It shows you the relationship that Jeroboam did not have with God. He called him your God. He could have said, please entreat God. Please entreat the Lord God. But no, he said, you're God. This guy doesn't even have a relationship with God. He doesn't have any relationship at all. I mean, how many people do you know when they're in trouble, they don't want any part of Christianity. They would rather do anything but to become a Christian. But yet when there's a trouble, they come and they go, could you pray to your God and, um, for me? I mean, they immediately want you to pray to your God. So I see that happening here. But I also see that this man of God has a love for God's people. He has a love for others. He prays for the king. The man of God prays for the king. He entreats the Lord and asks the Lord to restore this man's hand. And guess what? The Lord does. Here's another miracle that Jeroboam looks at. Here's another thing. The man of God prays to the Lord and his hand is restored just like it was before. In spite of this enormous pride, his stubbornness, the Lord heals his hand. This alone should have drawn Jeroboam back to the Lord. This alone should have given him evidence to come back to the Lord. But remember the title. He's disregarding the warnings of God. He's just not paying any attention to him. The Lord is trying to get this guy's attention. Why? The Lord is on his side. The Lord is on Jeroboam's side. He's the one that set him there. He's the one that put him there. He would, if, if Jeroboam would only acknowledge the Lord, if he would seek him and trust him and walk in his ways, God would do miraculous things through him. That should tell us something, folks. That should tell us something. Ministry is not just for those who stand on stage and do things. Ministry is, not for, ministry is for all of us. And if we do the things that God has called us to do, and if we're true to him, and we follow his commands, and we do the things that we're supposed to, God has a miraculous plan for you too. And he can do a miraculous work through you and with you. We need to acknowledge him, trust in him, and walk according to his way and allow God to do mighty works through us by the Holy Spirit. But this king was more concerned with his physical healing than his spiritual condition. God had shown him three miracles in a very short time. The altar split in half. The ashes poured out. His hand withered, and then his hand was healed. But we don't read of any repentance. There's no softening of the heart. There's nothing on Jeroboam's part. There's no evidence that he was even convicted of his sin. What did that lead me to? We're all looking for the miraculous, aren't we? We all would love to see the miraculous, but miracles in and of themselves usually don't bring a conviction to a saving faith. Miracles don't usually happen that. Even when Jesus did a miracle, he always took time to teach after the miracle. He always did his word. He always used his word to bring people closer to the Lord because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. I, I say this a lot. To me, I want God to write it in the sky. Then an airplane comes by and go, writes it in the sky. And I look up and go, now turn it red. I'm not satisfied with the miracles. The miracles don't do what I want them to do. We're never satisfied. So miracles aren't enough to bring into conviction. It's enough to get our attention, and hopefully somebody would explain the Lord to you. But this should be... 
This should not be unfamiliar to us. This should not be unfamiliar to us at all. How many people standing around Lazarus' tomb watch Lazarus walk out of that grave in the grave clothes? How many people saw that and still didn't put their faith in Jesus Christ? Still didn't believe in Jesus Christ? Miracles, yes. Many people want to be healed today. And I respect that. And the Lord wants to heal those people, but how does he want to heal them? In what way does he want to heal them? What good does it do to pray for a healing for someone who doesn't know the Lord, only to die later not knowing the Lord? Well, what good does that do? It gives them more time to live, live a wretched life. If the healing would bring salvation, wouldn't that be wonderful? But not always does it do that. It doesn't always do that. Let's look 7 through 10. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return the way he came to Bethel. Jeroboam entices the man to come and have food and drink, and I'll give you a reward. It's interesting that sometimes Satan comes as a roaring lion, and other times he comes as an angel of light, and other times he comes in all sorts of different deceitful ways. Here Jeroboam is trying to bring the guy closer in. Come on in. It looks simple enough. It sounds good. The prophet may have even been hungry. But the prophet had been told by God not to stop in and eat or drink. The Lord wanted him to deliver the message and then leave. I read this great comment by one of the, one of the commentators. A compromising servant of God muddies the waters and confuses the saints. We've got to be so careful when we compromise the word of God. When we're told something by God, we've got to be so careful to do what we're supposed to do. It also reminds me of Daniel. In the first chapter of Daniel, when he's taken away, him and his buddies, when they're taken away and they're put into the king's harem and they're going to be fed all these delicacies and all these wonderful things. And Daniel says, I can't eat those things. I can't do that because it's against my religion. It's against my God. And he purposed in his heart that he would not defile his God. And he came against the, the chief of the eunuchs and says, I can't do this. He said, I'll make a deal with you. Give me 10 days, and if my countenance isn't the same or better after those 10 days, then I'll eat the delicacies. And what happened, you know the story. His countenance was so good, so great, and so wonderful that they started feeding all the other kids the same food because he he showed the, the love of God. So if the Lord tells you to do something, you do it. And this can be hard sometimes. But you stay with that one thing. The man of God right now is walking the walk. Right now he's walking the walk and he's doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. That's going to change in a couple minutes. You are You've been learning from the book of 1 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. Have you ever found yourself in a place like King Solomon where the temptations of the world really had a grip on you? With all the gimmicks of the world, it's not surprising. It's also not surprising that you're not the only one. 
Many struggle with the temptation of letting worldly things lead them rather than let the things of the Lord lead. But there is hope. Just as Solomon came to recognize that all his women, wealth, and wisdom wasn't what really mattered, you too can learn that things of the world are deceiving. So rather than put your hope and faith in the things that pass away, put your hope and faith in the one who's everlasting. God is constant, he is faithful, and he will never pass away. If you missed any part of today's teachings or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you are listening, you realize that you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.